Hey, 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 welcome to Unplug with Annie. It's me, Annie, and I want to ask you a really important question. What is stopping you from achieving your dreams? Unplug with Annie is all about hope and perseverance, how we can together work against everything that is holding us back from achieving our dreams, even if that thing includes us. I hope that you enjoy all the conversations. Don't forget to follow Unplug with Annie on IG and Facebook, and you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the website www.unplugwithannie.com. I love to say we need to leave everything on the dance floor that is life. I am rooting for you. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series on courage and today I have Hirsch Verma on the show. Hirsch was born and raised in Mumbai, India. He has lived and studied in Canada, Italy, England and China. His first love was football and he was an elite athlete playing professionally in India and for international clubs and therefore was traveling a lot. He was at the peak of his performance as an athlete when a sudden knee injury actually compelled him to stop playing. The deformity required immediate surgery and he then was put on crutches and underwent mental and physical trauma during the process and despite several attempts for treatments he was still not able to walk. Um, when an encounter with a friend led him to plan a trip to China, everything changed. It was then Hirsch was just completely absorbed by the Shaolin Temple as a warrior monk and started learning the principles of Shaolin culture. Um, that became a four and a half year trip and we're going to be learning a lot more about this which I'm so curious about. Um, so I'm very excited to have Hirsch on the show. Hey Hirsch, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thank you, hello, how are you? Very well, how is your new year going? And new year is going great, happy new year to you and to your listeners and thank you for giving me this opportunity to be here and um, um, I think what you're doing is amazing. It's amazing that you're getting all the people together to get their unique stories and unique journeys and experiences to be shared with the, with the people, the listeners. And um, so, yeah, I'm glad to be here. And the new year is going great so far. How about you? How has your new year been so far? Yeah, it's, um, I suppose, where we've, we've now uh, accepted the idea that <laughs> things are uh, a new kind of normal and, you know, we're still seeing the, the trickles of the pandemic and it's still having an impact on us. But um, I think I'm just, I've gone into the new year with this, with definitely the frame of mind that you need to kind of adapt and pivot and, you know, just do your best. And uh, yeah, take the pressure off yourself a little bit. I think sometimes we're just so uh, fixated on, you know, our timeline of we need to do this by this time. And we just make ourselves very upset when we don't achieve it, right? Uh, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And uh, that's where even I was having difficulties when living in a monastery and coming back to the city life. Um, yeah. I did, I mean, like nobody's perfect. Even, even, even we monks, we, 
do have our bit of flaws that we are always trying to be a better versions of ourselves. So for me, the biggest transition was living in a monastery for five years and then living in a city after that in this big city like Los Angeles and a big city like Mumbai. So um, I, wow. think, uh, I think what happened was this, this um, what we are calling the new normal and what we're calling the phase that was there during the lockdown. It's, I would call it the duality of life. And um, it's either you're, you're available with the resources and you're not available with the resources. So, mm-hmm. but you, your, your, grounding, your grounding doesn't get shaken. So yeah. for me, the lockdown was, uh, of course, it was very sad to see that a lot of lives were lost. So uh, that was something which was very sad. Uh, but apart from that, I think, yeah. um, I think the lockdown was a lesson. A lockdown was uh, an awakening um, for a lot of people who were, like you said, you know, living in this uh, rat race of life and you know, like a robotic life, a monotonous routine life. So I think it's like they said, you know, to go more inward. And I think it's, uh, it's good. The new year has opened new horizons for people. So it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking a little bit about want to rewind a little bit because your journey is quite, uh, you know, I- incredible in the sense that you, so you are, you, you were born in Mumbai, I understand, but you've spent considerable amount of time around the world doing multiple things. So, you know, having spent a considerable time, you know, out of your hometown, I know you spoke about the difficulties in coming back, which we'll get to, but what what was that like? What, if you could sum up that journey of just spending so much time traveling around the world and all the experiences you had? Um, So I started off my journey as an athlete. I've been an athlete since my childhood, since I think my fourth grade. I used to be a professional football, soccer in the US, we call that. So mm-hmm. I used to be a professional football player and that's what made me travel a lot. That's what made me travel inside of uh, you know, Maharashtra state, inside of India. Then I traveled and lived in Italy and in London, you know, I played for clubs out there. So it's because of uh, my sport career, my sports career in, in football that made me travel. And um, I do have family in various countries and, you know, my parents thought of it as an opportunity for me to be spending time with them while I'm also studying and playing. So, and I lived in Canada for a bit to complete my graduation. So uh, I have been, and then China happened and then Los Angeles happened. So (laughs) there has been, uh, I think what majorly what really was nice, I love learning different cultures of different countries. That's, I really thrive on that. And I respect that a lot. And just to learn from people, their culture, and just the way they, their lifestyle is. And uh, that's what really like, you know, made me take up all these opportunities of going abroad. And also I think um, my parents pampered me a lot as well. So whenever <laughs> I told them that I really, really want to go, sometimes they would say, no, then I would be a rebel child. And I was like, no, I want it my way, you know? So <laughs> I've been a bit of, uh, I would say, you know, the, the teenager brat uh, <laughs> traits I've had, like how we all do. Um, but um, I think uh, I think living abroad has taught me how to be extremely self-independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, we live in India, so you've lived in Mumbai in India, you know how it is, you have helpers coming in and people doing things. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I really learned abroad, uh, also I was in a boarding school for a bit so in, in, in Maharashtra, in Pune. So it really taught me how to be self-independent, self-reliable. And, you know, just, you have to, it made me a go-getter. Yeah. You know, I never had to rely on people. So it made me a go-getter, like, okay, things are not available. You go get it by yourself. You find it, you hunt it, and that's about it. And <sighs> definitely, I mean, what I want to talk about 
of course you you mentioned that you're an athlete and and you you played football is uh you know an event which did happen in your life which kind of changed the trajectory of your life um which is that you you experienced an injury and then you had to stop playing football and stop playing something that you really loved potentially that you saw yourself doing for a considerable amount of time and uh, to go through something like that, I know I've had conversations with people who have had similar experiences. I mean, that must have had a really knock-on effect on you. Uh, what was that experience like? And then to actually come to terms with the fact that you have to change what you're doing, you have to change what your plans are. Uh, to reply, to respond to that question, actually. I always wanted to be a professional football player. That was the stream and the career that I had chosen for myself. But, you know, being born in an Indian family, um, you know how it is. You have to complete your education. You need to get a degree. You know, sometimes they just, you know, push you to do an MBA or, you know, you get, uh, join your father's, you know, whatever your father's businesses or the family businesses. So there were all kinds of things that was happening at the same time. Um, but I never really left my passion for football ever, no matter what came my way like I always pursued it but then of course um, you know the 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 knee the bone deformity happened and then I had to get a surgery done and the surgery led to a, a mental and a physical trauma it, it, it completely restricted me and I was bedridden so it completely restricted me to do anything physical even to like even to do anything but I was on crutches right so yeah uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm just like going back and, and, and I'm just living those, those memories as to how it was, but um, it was heavy. It was really heavy. Um, my dad was always out working. My mother was the one who had to bear the, the cost of everything as well. At the same time, she was taking care of me. Uh, the physiotherapy wasn't helping me at all. Um, and I used to wake up in the middle of the night with a lot of pain because, you know, the surgery was supposed to be a really minor one, but it turned out to be a really big one because they found a tumor along with it, which was non-cancerous, which was, I'm so glad that it was nothing major. Mm. So um, these things, I think everything happens for a reason. Um, whatever, whatever barriers that are put in your way, I call these things as barriers that you have to overcome. Um, so everybody has a different experience. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's barriers are different. Uh, it's up to you. It's like a maze. A life is like a maze. How you find your way out of, you know, going and up, uh, overcoming the barriers and reaching to one point and then going to the level two, then level three and level four. There are like N number of levels. So mm -hmm. I think uh, at that point of time, I wasn't so matured enough. So I didn't really understand what was going on because I was just like, I was shocked. I was like, I can't do anything. I'm in so much pain. Like, will I be able to do the things that I used to do? Because I used to be I used to be a, I used to be a top athlete. So mm. I used to be, apart from playing football, apart from playing soccer, I used to also be uh, doing field and track events in athletics. I used to do 100 meters and 200 meters and high yeah. jump. I represent, I represent in Maharashtra, um, the city of Mumbai. So I was a really like a top athlete. So uh, suddenly, you know, being, uh, not being able to do anything was uh, a big task. I was just, just sit in my bed and play Xbox and eat and, <laughs> people used to yeah just try to do yoga if I could but then you know I was just always like focus on when is it going to be fine when is it going to be fine what do I need to do like, um, I think I got over it by like I said you have to find a way uh, through yourself within yourself to overcome those barriers so for me yeah. 
to get out of my comfort zone, to, for me to do something different, I had to find a way out. So I did my research and, and my R&D about what I need to do. What is the different thing that I can do? I'm just following orders. So what is the different thing I can do? Like, why am I just following orders? Like, like, I don't want to do this. But before that, was there a moment, if it had not been for that solution, was there another moment where you just remember experiencing acceptance and sort of like, okay, I, I know I, I feel defeated, but I need to kind of, I need to get my shit together. You know, I need to just like get empowered again. I need to just continue living life. Even though at that point, there might not have been so much hope. Did you experience anything like that on the journey? Um, to be honest, I, I never give up. Like this has been my attitude because, you know, athletes are just groomed that way, whether at whatever age. Yeah. So I, even, even until I didn't find a solution, which led me to go to, you know, China. But before that, I, I had thought to myself, no matter what and where I need to get healed, I will be healed. Like, I, don't, I don't care about who needs to do this, but I will make sure that I need to do this. I need to get healed because I need to be back on my feet. I need to be back having my legs back to normal as to, you know, to do performing my, my sports and my games. Mm. Um, so I think uh, there was never a moment of me giving up. There was a moment of me accepting that, okay, I could just be in India, in Mumbai, for the rest of my coming months or years, you know, I never thought of like I'd be able to travel. So yeah. at that time, there was more of acceptance, but never the attitude of like, oh, I give up, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. If I would have, no, I, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would love to talk about now China and uh, <laughs> that the whole experience. I mean, you went out there obviously for one purpose, but you ended up staying for about four, four and a half years, I believe, and became a monk. I mean, what an incredible journey, probably something you never, ever thought would happen. But if you take us through, you know, the therapy process that you underwent over there and how it just changed your life and why you decided to then stay? Um, so I'll start with the time as to how the seed was planted of me when getting the idea of going there. It was my family friend. He's like an elder brother to me. Uh, he's the one who is a professional martial artist. So I was discussing with him. He used to come and give me some motivational talks because I had promised him that, you know, once my leg becomes fine, like I want to like, you know, do martial arts like him. He's so cool. And, you know, it could probably, you know, make my legs stronger. If I can play football, then probably I can do some martial arts to get my legs stronger. Mm -hmm. So he was more of a Taekwondo person. So I told him, like, what do I do? Like, why am I feeling like this? Like, I'm feeling so, uh, I feel so defeated, but I don't want to give up. I'm, I'm sure there is something out there. So he told me about things like going down to the South. You know, we have Ayurveda, which is, uh, this goes back in the history of our culture, of Indian culture. Um, so I was like, no, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about India anymore. Like I want to go abroad. Like I want to get healed outside. So he told me about, you know, you should look at some acupuncture and acupressure therapies, which happen in other Asian countries. Uh, mm -hmm. So he told me about Thailand. He told me about China. He told me about Hong Kong because he himself has been to Hong Kong and Thailand. So I did my R&D a little bit in, in Thailand. My father has some partners, business partners. So it was turning out to be very expensive and I didn't have that much in my savings. Actually, I was saving up money for a go to Tomorrowland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was, 
yeah, whatever I saved in Canada and whatever when I came back, uh, I was saving money to go to Tomorrowland. I know. So, um, I was like, okay, you know what? I'll make this. I'll make use of this savings in a, in a way to fix me, fix myself. Like even if my parents don't want to support me in any way, like I need to get out of this this space in my room in my parents' house. You know. Mm. So he's like, you know, do you know Shaolin? Do you know China has really good uh, acupuncture? So do your research about that, and then probably you can go to Shaolin Temple for some training to, you know, to make your legs stronger. So I did some research. So the hospital in Beijing, the cost was extremely high, um, and then uh, I went on the Shaolin Temple website since he, since he mentioned about Shaolin Temple. He never said that Shaolin does therapy or anything, but then my search narrowed down to finding out. Oh, Shaolin uh, has a medicine has a, has a medicine section where they heal people. So I reached out to them. I wrote an email. First time no reply. Second time no reply. Third time no reply. Uh, then the fourth time I got a reply saying that wow. uh, yeah we do have a medicine section and you know we do these therapies. A very old place. It's traditional. It's the way I imagined. And he told me that oh Shaolin, if you see it in the movie. There'll be so many kids out there training. You know, you'll get motivated. Don't worry, you'll be back on your feet in no time. And when you're fixed over there, you can come and train with me. I said, okay, cool, cool. You know what? They replied to me. So what do I do now? And he's like, you just you know ask them what the cost is and uh, send them you know uh, send them whatever you need to. So I told them then, can I send my reports? And so they said, yeah, send your reports. We'll show it to a doctor because there's nobody out there who speaks um, English. Only the Foreign Affairs Office. So they were the one who were communicating. There's just one person in the office, uh, Mr. Wong. You mean? Uh, now he's retired, and uh, his assistant now has become the main person, uh, Levy. So he told me that I can send my reports. I sent my reports. They shared it with the doctors, and they said, "Yeah, we can fix you. This is a very minor thing. It's just about you know getting some nerves activated and building some muscle strength because there was a little bit of that bit of my um, my muscle, my quad, my quads, uh, my thigh muscle was cut off while they took the tumor off because it was as big as a golf ball size." Okay. So that's when I lost a little bit of muscle mass. So that's where it made me. It became hollow. So I used to limp and walk. So that was another challenge. So I had to fill. I had to eat a lot, eat a lot of proteins and carbs, and you know, get get muscles mass f- filled in there in the missing in the missing spot. So the doctor told me that here yeah, you can come, and then this is the costing they sent me, and I was like, okay. They sent me everything. I told my family friend his name is Pratik Pratik Bhaiya. And then uh, now that now the next part was to convince my parents. And my parents, <laughs> as, as soon as we both planned what we need to tell our parents and this and that, my parents were like, "What China? Like, why would you go to China? Like, you know, we have family in the UK, we have family in right. in, the, uh, in the US. Uh, you've gone to Italy. Like, why would you go to China? We don't know anybody over there. You know how Indian families are. Indians are spread everywhere. So." <laughs> My mother was like, "You won't even get good food over there. What are you going to eat and stuff like that?" And they eat like these weird things and you know all those. I said, "Listen, it's Shaolin Temple. I'm sure it's a very sacred place. Like I need to do this." So they used to meet this family friend of mine, Pratik Bhaiya, behind you know my in my absence because obviously I was not going out of the house much. So I think he did like most of the part of convincing them, and you know everything turned down to be you know me booking my flight tickets and everything, and I got my visa approved. I got a six months visa, like a one eighty day visa, and then I'm on the flight to China. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was just after it was just after two thousand fourteen uh, uh, Christmas on the twenty seventh December. I I was I landed in China two thousand fourteen twenty seventh December. Okay. I won't forget that day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. And so so you went out there and on a six month <clears throat> visa. 
but that you stayed for a, a very different amount of time. So what what happened out there? The funny part was I'm allergic to mushrooms, like major allergy. That's, that's the only thing I'm allergic to. Okay. I landed, I landed it was almost sunset. Um, and I was picked up by this, this lady. She was, uh, she's a taxi driver for uh, all the people, all the foreign students who come, to, who come to the temple. She was in fact, Mr. Wong Yumin's daughter as well. So she took me to the temple and uh, it became dark and I was like, I hope I'm not getting abducted or kidnapped or something. You know, it was getting dark. <laughs> I can see the, because you know, where am I? I can see people and it's, it's peak winters, right? That's December. So right. it's peak winter season and it's cold. And I'm like, I'm just wondering, like, I hope I'm not in the wrong place or something, you know? And then I reached my dormitory and uh, there's a foreign, foreign disciples home. Uh, that's where all the foreign students initially, you know, they come and they stay there. That's where even I stayed for my first one and a half year. And um, so I got, I got mushroom soup and I, w- I wasn't aware it was mushroom. I just got to know it's soup. Okay. And I had it just the night, the, my first night. The next, and then I woke up with like a lot of rashes, you know, whatever the reaction was to it. Then I had to been taken to a hospital to get an anti-allergy shot and everything. So oh, that was no. my that was my start to the temple and I was like oh my god like serious there are, and then later on I found out there are 33 different types of mushrooms itself in China wow wow so, and then um, my, my healing started and that was the most important part for me that I saw in the daylight that you know the temple the red the green the gray and you know how the kids are just you know running in the morning and training and the atmosphere just felt so serene you know the cold wind the cold breeze was just so so pleasant and it had it, it felt so there was a state of serenity in there mm-hmm. so i was like i i'm in the right place i just need to focus on fixing my legs don't divert your mind on anything else that's that's yeah wow you you so did you get healed and then you decided that this is where i want to spend more time and actually commit to becoming a monk what what kind of convinced you to make that decision then and stay it was um, after my three months I had spent in the temple. I finished three months and this is in my third month of my therapy. Uh, I used to have 30 needles, you know, the acupuncture needles on my, on my right leg were the same where I got operated. I saw 30 needles a day. And the day I used to have, the day I didn't have my needles, I used to be given some physio exercise kind of a thing, like in the, in the Shaolin that they do for strengthening. So um, I think it was just just before my parents, my parents came to visit me in April. So just before my parents came to visit me, that's where I started feeling much better with my leg. I started, you know, I started jogging. I started doing a little bit of duck jumps and um, just basic, you know, I could feel the strength coming back. Mm-hmm. And of course the, the medicine, the, the medicines, the, the, the traditional medicines, you know, those, um, the herbs that we eat over there, I was being given those and uh, the needles were helping, the acupuncture was helping. Then I was asked to do some things back in the room or in my dormitory. So I used to be taking care of that as well. Um, so it was in between my third and fourth month, I decided that this is a place that is gonna transform me. If I really, really wanna transform my life, if I wanna do something completely different and not be a sheep in any way, mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to stay in this place. I need to commit to this place. And uh, I decided I was like, you know, my parents come, I'm going to tell them that I'm going to stay here for at least a year. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. But I never decided that that 
I want to be a monk. I decided that I want to stay as long as I can. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so you know, we we hear. I think the majority of the world know Jay Setty now, and uh, you know, he released a book recently called "Think Like a Monk." And I think what's very interesting is it's it's obviously principles that he learned, which it's about the fact that anyone can really apply these principles in their life. So what what principles? I mean, now that you're back and you you know you're transitioned back to city life after spending so much time there, how do you ensure other than the fact, of course, you have an academy, but how do you ensure that uh, those principles are kept? And if you had to kind of condense it down to a few principles which are just integral to your everyday practice, what would those principles be? So the thing that um, obviously I learned in the temple as a monk and the things that I apply, there are certain things I won't be able to apply because it's, it's the environment you're in. It's the adaptability that you have to, um, you have to embrace. Mm -hmm. um, you have to embrace the, adapt, the, the environment that it's bringing you into. And I personally feel the biggest, biggest thing that I ever learned out there for me as an individual and also others that can apply is to listen. It's so important to listen. Okay. And because we are, like I said, in, initially when we, in, in the beginning when we spoke that we are just always in a rush and we just want to get things done, but we don't completely take time to listen. This thing has to be right. Um, and it only comes, it only becomes right if your breathing is right. Okay. So I, I, I think my major takeaway was um, I learned to nurture my breath in every aspect that I do with, that involves my five senses, whether I'm in the monastery or whether I'm not in the monastery. Okay. But the way, the way I speak, the way I listen, the way I observe, the way I look at things, the way I feel things, it all comes through your breath work because Shaolin principles completely depends on breathing through movements. And it's not just the physical and the hardcore training or the soft training. It's also just the way we are talking right now. Uh, the Zen principles, the Zen philosophy, it's all about just being, um, you know, it being, of course, being in the moment is very important, but are you enjoying while you're being in the moment? Are you mindful about what you're speaking? Are you mindful about that this is, this is, this is where your completely, complete undivided attention needs to be? You know? mm. So Zen principles um, can be applied in daily lives, I personally feel. Uh, the, the, when we are cooking food in the kitchen, we are, we are completely mindful as to What's the recipe? What are the spices? Um, how much of you know the, the contents and you know the ingredients need to be around? So this is so when you're doing when you're just focused on that cooking, you already attained Zen. When you're sleeping, you're like completely thinking of you know how your mind and body need to rest at night. You're completely at Zen. When I'm talking to you right now, or uh, when I'm studying something, when I'm teaching my students at my school, mm. you have to be at, be at Zen. Anything that you're doing in life, whether you're in a different field, whether you're you're in, you're an actor, whether you're a, you're a businessman, you're a, you're a dancer, anything, you're just about the Zen principles, how it needs to be applied in present life. It's just about be focused in whatever you do. Uh, don't don't multitask because where focus goes, energy flows. Yeah. So. You need to apply uh, your, your focus at one thing at a time or you need to attain Zen. You will attain Zen. You don't need to focus and run behind on attaining Zen. When you're, when you're, engrossed, in, 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 when you're engrossed in what you're doing, when you're committed to what you're doing, 
you already you already doing great for yourself yeah and another another thing that i really the biggest take back was um i used to fluctuate i used to be very flaky about certain decisions in my life because i think i've lived in different countries uh, i used to try do a lot of trial and error but shaolin taught me how to be committed wow wow committed, committed to, to my art committed to myself committed to the principles that i carry as a monk you know committed to the fact that now i have my shaolin temple school called warrior monk academy what is the purpose i found my purpose everybody has a purpose and everybody needs to tap inside of them to find their purpose whether they don't need to go um in a monastery they don't need to go to like a, in a naturistic place it's nice to go there it it brings you back in your center it real it realigns you it aligns yeah. you completely of course but there might be circumstances it does not you don't have time to go there uh, either you you remove time or either you um, meditate at least 10 minutes a day to to channel yourself and bring yourself back in the center to find your gravity to to find your purpose every day we have a purpose whether you find your main purpose of life or whether you find a purpose that you need to fulfill on daily basis i personally feel you can do this anywhere in the world and as a monk these are very basic things simplicity is not that simple <laughs> right? right so so like as rightly said by charles chaplin charlie chaplin so yeah. so life is very simple you know our choices that we make makes it complicated our our mind is is the most beautiful thing but it can also be the most destructive thing at the same time so yeah uh, we we get a million thoughts a day and it's like a popcorn you know like how pop you make a popcorn right so mm. it's like it keeps on popping 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 and it it's it depends on what you catch which one which thought you catch which thought you hold and you nurture it you give it importance and it becomes bigger 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 and bigger mm. now that's why they say negative thoughts can come it has to come there is no other way to it this is what life is uh, the yin yang philosophy of duality of life we will have positive thoughts and negative thoughts even monks have positive and negative thoughts it's about how much effort are you putting in order to be mindful yeah about whether it's negative thoughts but negative thoughts in pursuit of positive action mm-hmm. turn it into positive action i'm writing a book and uh, you know i'm writing all these experiences down and wow. uh, spirituality that's there in martial arts and the zen philosophy of um of uh, the the zen buddhism uh, the shaolin culture it was uh, roots back to india it was started by an indian monk called bodhidharma so i'm writing something is i'm writing my manuscript it's been 3 years i'm going to take a few more years and wow. uh, yeah pen it down but yeah these are some of my basic takeaways that okay. i still apply and yeah <laughs> wow so i mean it's yeah i think you you rightly mentioned you know the importance of being present i think you know multitasking has become so especially now that we all have a you know we all have a device at uh you know at a, a right side or you know in our pocket it's just you know it it's so accessible now that it's created this culture of multitasking because we've realized that we can we can try and we can try and do it in such a way that no one even knows that we're doing it you know i think we think that we we're smarter than we are but i love what you said about the, the popcorn analogy because i think it it is it is that isn't it it's, it's the acceptance of positive and negative thoughts but you know which one are you watering and and feeding the most and i think um that was a really you know important point um 
what if you had to say like the biggest lesson would it would it be that would it be the listening that you mentioned and the importance of being present if you had to just pick one of the biggest lessons that came out of the whole experience i think my biggest lesson uh, um as a monk that has taught me is we are always focusing on the seed let's plant a seed oh you planted a seed let's nurture the seed but nobody's talking about the soil that you need to cultivate first so for me to go in depth of things anything that i do i will look at the soil first i will evaluate i will nurture and find the soil whether is this the right soil where i can put my seed Wow. So I personally feel that um, it's important to cultivate your soil and know your soil. And when I when I put this analogy as a soil, it's about um, knowing as to how much of depth you can go in into things. About uh, being aware of your environment more than where you know you can actually be there or not. Is this your place to be? You can try, but is it is it worth your time and energy and space? So I think it's important to cultivate your soil more than just being ready. and accepting the fact that you want to plant your seed so let's yeah. take a few steps before planting the seed which is cultivating the soil so that's my biggest takeaway okay okay amazing amazing and and uh i mean one other thing that i would like to ask you is this series being about courage uh you know for the people who might be at a junction in their life where they need to you know make a different decision or a different choice whether it's a career choice whether it's um you know moving location whether it's a choice about related to their purpose or or anything really you know one of these big life decisions that we we all have to make at some point or the other what advice would you give because i think a lot of the times we need to be able to move before things appear right i think it's it's you know that saying that leap and the net appears we don't always have the provision in front of us before we walk in that direction but the provision tends to come when we make that commitment and like you said when you when you look after the soil you know and then choose to plant the seed there um so it it it's a process but i think the the decision making becomes very overwhelming for a lot of people so what does it take in terms of courage how do you cultivate that courage to take that first step forward in in a new direction for me as per my experience for courage for me the 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 way courage came to me was to understand till the time you're not taking risk in life you will never know your own capability so it's important to risk till the time you're going to stay stuck in your comfort zone you won't know what's on the other side you need to get out of your comfort zone great things don't come in comfort zones it doesn't matter you don't need to be great by putting your name in, in in the news you don't need to be great by doing charity do great for yourself to know that something is there waiting for you for you to come because you can't go it can't come to you you need to go to it mm. so i think i think as a, as a, as for your listeners for everybody i think it's all in the feeling if you get the feeling that you want to take that big leap of faith uh you want to take that big risk you know that this is something that that feeling that this could this could be a game changer or the biggest turning point in your life i think taking risk is um, just go fiercely and and be courageous and just go for it without without hesitations yeah. because 
till the time, like I said, you don't take risk, you won't know your your value, and you yeah. won't know how much you're capable of. And you got to be a better version of yourself than what you are yesterday. You know, like yesterday, I was uh, training, and I it came to my realization. My biggest battle is with myself every day. Mm. Every morning I wake up knowing that my battle is with myself, but every night when I sleep, I know there are much more bigger battles to come. Uh, and also put your heart, mind, and soul in the smallest of acts or the biggest of the acts that you do. So I think that's that's what I would like to share on the courage part and on the taking the risk part. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a that's a good point. You do need to. You do, need, you do need to put yourself out there. And I think, um, I love what you said because I think it really ties into what I think Unplug is about, which is, you know, the content that I like to put out there. Is It's about bettering yourself every day. Like, I feel like you can be your, you know, your own best friend or your worst enemy, but, um, you know, rather than comparing to, to another person's journey, it's about just comparing you to yourself yesterday. So I think that's definitely something that um, I really relate to. Um, a, a little bit then for people who might want to, to get involved and, and, and look a little bit more into your, your Warrior Monk Academy and the work that you're doing, um, just if you could just sum up a little bit about that, about what that involves. And also if people want to find out more about you, um, where they should go. <laughs> Sure. So um, I've started the started my Shaolin Temple School. It's an official affiliation and branch of the Shaolin Temple in China. I've called it the Warrior Monk Academy. Uh, the term Warrior Monk because we all have a warrior and a monk inside of us, and <laughs> that's the idea of you know getting people together to understand the Shaolin principles, the three pillars of the temple, which is Zen Buddhism, uh, Kung Fu, and healing, traditional medicine. So these are the three subjects and pillars that are being uh, carried from the temple uh, to uh, by me inside my academy. And also I'm reviving an Indi India's lost culture, which is the Shaolin culture is an Indian culture. So I'm, uh, I'm reinstating, in, uh, I'm reigniting, however you want to put it. I want, I want people to be aware that this is an Indian culture. So for the people of India, the people of my country, and for the rest of the world as well. Of course, I have so many people around and who I've met. And I know we have branches in every country. We have a branch in London and Germany and France and Spain, Costa Rica, Brazil, Mexico, wow. everywhere we have it. So in India, the responsibility is given to me, you know, as, as, a, as a warrior monk, you know, I want to carry the authenticity through my traditionality. They can, they can go on the warrior monk website. It's www.warriormonkacademy.com. I have a lot of blogs that I've written they can subscribe to the newsletter um, and um, anything, anything that they want to uh, inquire about as to whether, you know, applying for the course or if they can get involved in anything, uh, they can write to me directly and the email address is mentioned on, on the website. Um, in any way, you know, I can, I can help people, um, you know, please reach out. They can definitely reach out to me. You can help people's life. And it's all about, it's all about being there for each other, right? And that's that's everyone's purpose. I think everyone's purpose is very similar. It's just the process needs to be identified. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The medium, me, the medium is different. You know, you're doing this. This is your medium. You know, coming on unplug with Annie, and you know, this is your this is your purpose. Right. You know. Right. And, and this is my purpose through my school. You know, the teachings and connecting people, and you know, helping them through the mental, physical, and spiritual training that we do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we all are doing our bit and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, great. 
Well, it was so lovely to talk to you, Harsh. Uh, thank you for, for coming on and um, sharing a bit about your journey and your learnings. And um, I'm, I'm sure people are going to find it fascinating. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Amitofu, Buddha bless, and you have an amazing day. Um, and it was really lovely talking to you. And again, like I want to add that you're doing really amazing and keep at it. And there are a lot of people out there who need, uh, who need to, you know, who need to be felt uplifted and who need to be pushed. And there's nothing bad in that. It's also, it's, it's about being aware of your flaws and, you know, the goods and the bads and it's okay. And we all there to help each other. So that's it. So yeah, I'm helping whoever I can in any way. That's it for me today on Unplug with Annie. Until next time, remember you can stay tuned with everything Unplug on www.unplugwithannie.com. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Mandy Hale. You'll learn as you get older that rules are made to be broken. Be bold enough to live life on your terms and never ever apologize for it. Go against the grain, refuse to conform, Take the road less traveled instead of the well-beaten path. Laugh in the face of adversity and leap before you look. Dance as though everybody is watching. March to the beat of your own drummer and stubbornly refuse to fit in. <laughs>